Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shana. And I'm Bryce. And welcome to Charmed, a Spellcast. Hey, you listening there. Have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls? patriarchal demon infested world they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones charmed a spell cast okay okay manner keeping manner keeping <laughs> we got nothing i mean i mean not not a lot has happened this week I feel, to me personally. Oh, hmm. this is not a personal. Well, this is kind of a personal thing. I have a Twitter now, oh. um, <laughs> which is bad. Tell the world. Yes, it's at Shana Macy, and then an underscore after that. I think. I don't know. Anyway, it's at Shana Macy. You'd find it, and um, if you want to follow me, go ahead. I don't say anything interesting, but I sure do read a lot of tweets and retweet. <laughs> A lot of very gay things. But I have inevitably joined film Twitter. Oh. <laughs> which is fun. Which just means that everyone I follow is like a film critic or, or reporter or journalist or something mm-hmm. or filmmaker. And I didn't realize how contentious it all was. Oh, yeah? Like, I feel as though... So there was this dude today who put out like a list of his top 10... TV characters, I think, of, like, the last 20 years or something like that. Because the New Yorker also just... No. New York Times also just put out my or their top 20 drama series since The Sopranos. Huh. So there's, there's a list feeling going on within yeah. TV right now. Um, and this guy put this thing out, and, like, every single character was a dude. Cool. And it's like, ah... Cool, cool, cool. Nice. It was like Walter White, Tony Soprano, um, John Hamm's character on Mad Men, Don Draper. <laughs> Can you tell I haven't watched Mad Men? Um, Etc. And I looked at it, and I just looked at it. I stared for a second, and I shook my head, and I heaved a big sigh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm. sometimes. I am surrounded by so many non-males in my program, and then talking with you about media, and then talking about all these people, or talking with all these people that I admire, and reading their stuff, I sometimes forget this view and this reality that people pay so much more attention to the white cis male anti-hero than they do to any marginally developed female character and it made me very upset yeah big old sigh you know that does remind me of not necessarily manner keeping but um i've been going to like a bunch of like talks and lectures and like one day conferences that i can get a free ticket to and sit in on the past couple of weeks and there was a lunch today that was a panel of clinicians who are working 
on mental health stigma in people of color communities and also in other marginalized communities like the LGBTQ plus community or just w black women communities, um, which is like a subsection of people of color. But uh, they were talking a little bit about how there is such a focus when we talk about mental health in America on the white heterosexual cis male perspective of what you should be feeling and how you should be processing those feelings, that there's not enough validation for the way that people who are of a marginalized identity are able to actually recognize um, feelings of like stress or like low, poor mental health. So a lot of the times these clinicians, when they see their clients, they don't come in saying, hey, I think I'm depressed. They come in saying, hey, there's like a crick in my neck that doesn't go away and I don't know what it is. Because they somaticize these feelings because they don't, they don't believe, they don't understand exactly where it's coming from or what it means because they don't see themselves the way, uh, they also don't see mental health the way that maybe it's talked about in the more dominant society. I think that ties in perfectly, to be honest. And again, makes me sad. Mm -hmm. um, but excited that that is being talked about and it doesn't feel like it has to be the norm necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's something that is being exposed and investigated. And whenever somebody in a, a class of mine uses the word normal, to describe a character or a narrative, I've, I think, finally come to recognize, and actually I think people around me are also starting to use this language to critique this, like, oh, you know, the normal character or the normal mm -hmm. whatever. And professors have started doing this too. I haven't noticed this before. But they'll say, well, what do you mean when you say normal? Oh, I love that. Which is just, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? What are you basing that off of? So. When I saw that list, mm -hmm. it was that idea of why are these good characters? What makes them interesting? Mm -hmm. What standard are you holding them to? This is such an interesting conversation. I also really liked how you brought it into the broader topic of um, what we consider the norm in society and culture, especially because it's been something I've been thinking about recently. I gave a class presentation on this uh, piece of mass media. It was an anti-smoking PSA from the 1960s. And it was a uh, white dad and his white son, and they're just skipping stones, and they're like going for a ride in the car, and they're like washing the car. And then at the very end, the dad like picks up a pack of cigarettes, takes out a smoke, and then puts back the pack back down, and then the son picks it up, and then in like, uh, and then it cuts to like a title card and there's like a deep voice that goes, smoking, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I like had to analyze it for my class presentation and I was like, there's a reinforcement here of white suburban values and that's who they are targeting to, which is like, smoking obviously became a class issue and became a gendered issue later on, but at that time, this was who their market was. So this is who they were generating counter advertisements for. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like there was a golden retriever in this ad, too. My God, there should have been. <laughs> Smoking. Think about it. Think about it. But yeah, anyway, I would say that's that's the bit of manner keeping for me because um, this week has been not super eventful, and it's been more of a thinking week than yeah. anything else. Oh, a thinking, and I got knocked out by terrible cramps. Uh. That's it. PMS. Actually, I did want to mention that Shayna came in today with a bag full of unopened Kit Kats and was like, 
we're snacking on chocolate today. Yes. And which this is great because I don't have as bad of PMS, but I'm also on my period, so I was kind of craving it. And I was tired, so I needed the sugar. You know, it's a, a normal function for a lot of people. <laughs> Periods. Period. The uterus, man. The uterus, man. It's kind of a tough roommate. Yeah. Doesn't pay any rent. Mm-mm. And then it hurts you. Uh, yeah. And I feel like people who don't have a have a period. Hey, did you see that we we went to, we saw the Oscars together? Remember that uh, small do- the short documentary? Yeah. Period in a sentence. Mm-hmm. That w- and that one and now it's on Netflix. I should watch it. Anyway, <sighs> tangential. I feel like people who don't have a period just understand like the the themes that are talked about jokingly like ah oh, yeah you get kind of angry and hungry or whatever but also you feel really gassy all the time and like you can't tell like if you like completely bled through your pants and you're just kind of nervous yeah there's a lot of anxiety that goes mm-hmm. along with have okay before you like right before your period mm-hmm. and then during your period yeah as well because there's this anticipation of yeah. like oh my god am i wearing the wrong thing yeah. I, did i pack pads or something if you use pads or tampons um or a diva cup or whatever do i have all the necessary Mm -hmm. supplies because if not i have to go down the street and buy them and they may not have the brand that i like (sighs) and also it's very difficult to find these things um when you need them most Mm -hmm. and also it's been i think burned into a lot of us that having a period is something to be embarrassed by Mm -hmm. So I, I remember like going around in whispers sometimes being like, hey, do you have a pad? Like this very yeah. kind of timid, when it shouldn't be something to be ashamed of at all. Again, like very, very large portion of the population experiences appeared in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's all I have to say about <laughs> that, yeah. PMS knocked me the frick out. Damn. And now we have chocolate. So glad that you brought chocolate. I'm glad you're here to eat it with me. Always. I actually really enjoyed today's manner keeping because it was just you mentioning some like things you've been thinking about and then we could like spiral off into like a whole host of other topics that were really fun to just chat about. Oh. That's so nice. That that's kind of what the spellcast is really. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> And that's the spellcast, folks. All right, tune out. <laughs> we talked about periods. We talked about mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. We talked about chocolate. We talked about patriarchal notions of what is normative mm-hmm. in media. And good. And good. Nah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We also have an episode that we want to talk about today. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, you're mm, right. Okay. So, uh, so uh, we watched an episode of Charmed. Yeah. Season one, episode 14. Yes. 13. Th- 13. I'm so sorry. Our 14th episode of the Spellcast, their 13th episode of the series. Yes. From fear to eternity. From fear to eternity. I feel like this one really needs its own melodrama song, like a James Bond song. Oh, yeah. Like, but as the title credits. So this was directed by Les Sheldon, and it was written by Tony Blake and Paul Jackson. Um, And then the air date, as we said, somewhere in here was February 10th, 1999. Oh, and um, guest starring Billy Drago as Barbus. Ah. 
the fear demon. The fear, so I didn't know his name was Barbas. I just thought it was the demon of fear. I think it it is, but he comes back. Oh, and they do. And they name him. Yeah, they do name okay. him. All right. Um, and it, I. This is the first time I think I've actually named. No, it's not. It's like the second time I've named a guest star because the first one was John Cho. John Cho. John Cho. Oh, and John Chen. John Chen. I miss them. I love them. Why are their names so similar? <laughs> John Cho and John Chen. John Cho and John Chen. Because they're mother and son, obviously. True. Um, I'm actually really excited to talk about this episode. Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. Okay. Scene one. A cult shop. A cult shop. It's almost midnight. Who shops in an occult shop close to midnight? Who is also a working professional? I don't know. And they were what? getting a good luck charm? Yeah. What are their bedtimes? What are their bedtimes? That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> we're, just, we're asking the hard-hitting <laughs> questions here on Charmed to Spellcast. Did I tell you recently that I've been getting into the Money Diary series? From yeah. Okay. So the Money the Money Diary series on Refinery29 is just a bunch of stories from real-life women across the nation and across the world who just submit, like, this is a weekly breakdown of what I did. And supposedly you're supposed to, you're supposed to track your finances, but I just read it so I can see what they did. Um, and they're always like, and I got into bed by 11, or I got into bed by 11.30, and I was like, ah, daydreaming about that. <laughs> I was like, what a life. Can you imagine You're it? so successful. I want to be like you. Oh, my God. Anyway. Very telling that the only time I get into bed at 11, period, cramps time. Period That's cramps it. All. That's it. Anyway, yeah, so they're shopping real late. I love Phoebe's outfit so much. I don't remember. What was it's it? It's a turtleneck and a leather jacket, and that's kind of how I want to look all the time. <laughs> I love her haircut too with it. And I just looked at it and I was like, you're a 90s lesbian. <laughs> She's not, but is she not? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Phoebe, Phoebe's character is not but in my mind and in my fashion diaries. She looks like Judith Butler, kind of. I always enjoy when you bring up these qualities that I hadn't picked up on. <laughs> And you're like, really like, we should all question this. Because <laughs> then it makes me question it. Good. I'm glad. Um, that's what you get with the queer perspective. Is this character straight? No. <laughs> we don't know. And scene. Okay. Oh. Um, so they're in the occult shop. They're looking for a lucky charm. Um, yeah, because it's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. The next day. Well, also because Phoebe has a job interview. Yes. Which is very exciting. Um, the store owner, whose name is Tangella. Yeah. Is, is <laughs> Frank Lanchella. <laughs> She's trying to hurry them along because she wants to close the shop by midnight. Um, and she tells them that, um, oh, well, first she, like, invites them to come to some Wicca, Wicca gathering and they Gives decline. them a flyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's, like, looking at them and she's, like, you know, all witches want to go. And they're, like, we never said anything about being a witch. Yeah, we didn't. Which is another another piece of evidence that all witches are gay, and that this is a There's metaphor. Six cents. Yeah, this is a metaphor as well. Again, direct d direct allusion. I don't know, but um, I don't know my literary references as well as I think I should. Although the other day I did reference the pathetic fallacy. Oh, what is that? In the sorrows of young Werther. Um, well, that was a lot. I, sorry, the the pathetic fallacy is attributing. Um, human emotion to nature 
So if you say like a storm is raging, oh. that kind of thing, or if you're thinking that like the weather around somebody reflects their mood. Oh, okay. Like that okay. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, is but it I, sim- sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. Is it similar to like anthropomorphizing? Kind of, like okay. it could be. It could be. It could be making inanimate objects animate. Yeah. So it could be, but the the biggest thing it was used for was like romance era literature. Oh. So I use Sorrows of Young Werther because there's a scene in which uh, Werther is is walking through the woods and it begins storming and he thinks, because I'm in such a foul mood and the nature, like, I'm causing this. Interesting. Yeah. And I got, I, I only referenced it because um, my PMS hit really bad oh. <laughs> at the same time as a surprise thunderstorm. Oh, yeah. That did occur yesterday. That did occur. And I was like, I am young further. <laughs> All powerful. Um, but anyway. Yes. Anyway, anyway. What were we talking What I was about? saying is that this is a direct, again, a coding of, like, queer people knowing other people are queer. Mm-hmm. And then being like, what? I didn't say anything. Oh, how, that's that's a really good reading of this. How actually, you know that? thank you. It's this episode makes it so easy. Start out with the leather jacket and the turtleneck. Indeed. Move directly into, I know you're queer, and I'm not going to say necessarily that I know you're queer, but I'm going to call you a witch. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah, and then there's a the part about how like the the demon of choice in this episode is hunting down 13 unmarried witches. Yeah. They're all queer. Yeah. Let's go for the 13 unmarried females, shall we, who are ostracized from society. Hmm, let's think about that. Let's go after their greatest fears, too. Oh, huh. Huh. Hmm. I wonder what's so special about this subsection of people. Anyway, um where are we? What are we doing? They're at this wicca shop with Tarantella. <laughs> With Tarantula Jones. <laughs> and her scary, scary eyebrows. Um, and so they decline, go into her Wicca gathering, but they do sign up. And they take the flyer. Oh, they do take the flyer, and they do sign up for the email list. Yeah. Um, and then they purchase their uh, charms. Mm-hmm. Oh, the charmed ones purchase their charms. Oh. And they're like, hey, why do you want to close up so early? And she explains to them that uh, once every 1,300 years, uh, Oh, I wrote it down because I thought it was so silly. There's a universal convergence of negative energy. (laughs) 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 Oh, God, I can't can't tell if I'm doing the X-Files or Doctor Who. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What? I was doing Doctor Who. (laughs) You just actually, like... (laughs) I didn't mean to. I'm all turned around now. <laughs> oh, shoot. Wait. No. Uh, oh, wait. X-Files. That is X-Files. Yes. That is X-Files. Doctor Who is... Yeah. Um, do we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do do do. I don't need to play them side by side. I'll just have you singing, <laughs> and I'll overlay them. I can't believe I just did that. 
<laughs> I'm impressed. I couldn't, for the life of me, remember the Doctor Who theme song to sing it right I now. I thought I was singing it, but I wasn't. Sigh. Anyway, it could have been Doctor Who or X-Files with this mystical convergence of energy. True. Okay. Scully, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the crossover episode. <laughs> um, no, that was last episode. Okay. Uh, so anyway, on this... F- uh, Friday the 13th that occurs every 1300 years um, the universal convergence of negative energy means that the, there's a demon a fear that comes out and hunts down which we learn later hunts down 13 unmarried women and kills them kills and them. if he kills them then he can remain on earth and reign his destructive terror for all eternity yeah again all these freaking demons I feel like they all have different master plans with the exact same goal but like who wrote all these rules who wrote this episode oh i can tell you that tony blake and paul jackson ah they wrote a few rules tony and paul tony tony and paul tony and paul back at it again soprano um no so not seen the sopranos i do not care to so anyway they buy their charm they head out um, oh, the clock rings 13 times, apparently. Yeah, and Tangel is like, get the frick out. It's closing time. Closing time. time. Anyway. Every new beginning is another fear demons end. <gasps> I'm not going to say more of it because we'll be here all night. Um, so they leave, they get into their fun car, and they speed away. Yes, and then suddenly, in a flash of smoke <laughs> up from the sewer grate. Tell me. It's Barbus, the fear demon. Barbus. Demon of fear. Barbara. <laughs> you think down in hell, they're Barbara. like, they're like, Barbara. And he's like, no. <laughs> they're coming for you, it's Barbara. Barbus. And he's like, you guys, shut up. Just because I'm the fear demon doesn't mean you have to reference every horror movie trope whenever you see me. Also, don't call me Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a pouty individual. Um, so he emerges from the sewers as one does. In a flash of smoke and mirrors. And he enters the uh, wicker shop. Yeah, and she's like, we're closed. And he's like, not to your greatest fears, you're not closed. <laughs> <laughs> Feed me your fear. <laughs> oh, my God. He was quite a character. Yeah, so as we learn, <laughs> he exploits the greatest fear of a person, of mm-hmm. a witch, uh, he reads their mind, yes. I guess, or their subconscious, whatever. And then he recreates a scenario and that is so frightening to them that they will scare themselves to death. Mm-hmm. All of these uh, magical beings or creatures that are supposed to prey on your greatest fears, like the, de- oh, no, what were they called? The, uh, what was the thing called in Harry Potter that like would turn into your greatest fear? The ridiculous. No, that was the spell that made it go away. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. The Bogart. That came out of the wardrobe. Yeah, I think they're called Bogarts. Anyway, all of these, like, magical or supernatural things that are supposed to feed in your greatest fear are fascinating to me because I don't even know if I know what my greatest fear is. That's what this episode's all about, baby. I know, and I love it because I hate it when people are like, my greatest fear is this. And I'm like, but do you know for sure? Because there are so many scary things out there. (laughs) This just in. Bryce Wong, the new Freud. Scared of everything, though. (laughs) (laughs) So is Freud. So she dies of a heart attack. Her hair turns white. Um, because Real bad wig. Anyway. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. 
He reads that her greatest fear is being buried alive, so he causes an earthquake. It's very San Francisco. Very San Francisco. Why is she living in San Francisco? Sometimes, every day she faces her greatest fear. I feel like if she did, she would not be the first to die. She would be much stronger. Yeah. Probably. But I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Okay, so her greatest fear is uh, buried alive in an... Actually, buried alive is a pretty good fear. Yeah. But buried alive in an earthquake specifically, so he engenders this earthquake to happen around her, and it doesn't crush her. That's not how it kills her. She just dies because she keels over in fright. Of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she turns into Daenerys. Oh. <laughs> with those little braids. Yes. And then before we cut to the credits, we see the demon of fear head over to the mailing list mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they had written their names, that Phoebe and Prue had written their names down in earlier. And he takes the names of the witches. He lifts them with his magic hand. Allah spirited away. Magic man, take me by the hand. <laughs> uh, yes, and then it's credits. credits. I am the sun and the air. Am I going to do this every episode? Perhaps. Perhaps. You also do the ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Which they don't know because I cut it out every single time. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a traditional man. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you may ask yourself, why do we do these things? <laughs> and I will tell you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> okay, so credits. Uh, okay, and then sorry. we Love come that. back to sunny, sunny San Francisco, yes. City of Snakes. The sisters are eating their breakfast, getting ready for work. To some acoustic guitar. Yeah. And uh, Phoebe and Piper have a little chat about how Prude never says I love you. Like no. those exact words out loud. No, she don't. And I've never noticed this. I never noticed that. And I, I wasn't about to go back through all 12 episodes to fact check it. Yeah. But I mean, it seems like actually pretty consistent with yeah. Prue's character. And I think that... Even if they if they had slipped up in an earlier episode and she had said it, I think to introduce it in this episode was to introduce a really strong theme. Yeah, absolutely. Which it was was important to me. Yeah, and so they have a little chat about that as Piper is looking through good luck charms, amulets, and such because Piper is suspicious. Yes. No, she is superstitious. Superstitious. <laughs> Superstition. Yeah. Uh, Piper, since they are now which is is taking every precaution she possibly yeah. can because this could be very very real and Prue is like pfa pfa fa 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 you're being very superstitious okay i would like more of that cover <laughs> by Bryce Wong <laughs> okay no um all right so she's very super, so piper is a very superstitious individual and she is worried um but prue comes down in a good mood yeah she did dream about their mom. She did. She was holding her mom's hand. Yeah. And her mom was taking them somewhere, or taking her somewhere. And it was just a good feeling. And I was like, oh. Oh. Oh, and then comes the first of what are many um, confusing and ridiculous sayings that don't make sense. Let's hear it. It's, okay, so Prue is a little tired, and so she, like, gives a big yawn, and then Piper rushes to cover her mouth and says, no, you have to cover your mouth when you yawn, or you might let the de- the devil in. <laughs> and I was like, that's a new one. That's I've a new one. never heard of that before. That sounds like something that is specifically designed to ward against sex. You think the devil is, like, 
A dick. A dick. <laughs> Two demons. You think the devil's like kind of a dick sometimes? I really like this hell that we've created. Yeah. <laughs> Te- teasing the feared demon about his name. Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> you think Satan's a dick? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Everybody has their bad days. But there's just so many different sayings and like weird, I don't know what to call them, idiosyncratic. Idioms. Idioms. That's what they are. Yeah, odd idioms. Odd idioms. And they're just like supposed to be super natural, superstitious sayings that people uh, know. And I think that they're all super funny. I can't wait to hear more of them throughout this so episode. I hope I wrote down more of them. Um, I would also like to say uh, that Phoebe's outfit in this scene is also really gay. And she, I don't remember what she wore. She's wearing a blazer with nothing under it oh. and then a skirt. So it's all gray and matching. Uh, and it's like kind of a short skirt. And she's wearing a choker. Oh. It's so 90s. Her choker, I always love that. Oh, my God. I love it. I just realized something. What? Phoebe might have been my fashion icon. <gasps> whoa, 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 My root. Okay. <laughs> so yes. Wish. So Prue had a dream about mom. They both. They they all wish they could have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um. And. And then just before they head out to work, uh. One last superstitious saying, our relationship started on Friday Friday the 13th and badly. They're doomed. They're doomed. And then quickly Piper and Phoebe scuttle off to their respective jobs. And just before Prue does, Andy comes by. Mm-hmm. They open the door and there's Andy. Yes. They switch. Oh, hi, Andy. So after they just mentioned doomed relationships. <laughs> sad. Um, so Andy came by to let Prue know that Tangella, the owner of the cult shop that they had been in had just died the previous night and because their names were the last ones on her email list he was no no Mm -hmm. that could have been and it would have been sloppy writing oh okay but no it's because the credit card was run under prue so like good job some continuity okay you didn't create a plot hole for yourself where you easily guess i wasn't really paying that much attention that's okay that is totally fine i just noticed that because I wait, I'm waiting to call them out on things. Yeah, I guess it did make sense to me because I was, in my head I was like, but he lifted the name, so I guess, yeah. Yeah, anyway. But yes, suspiciously, again, Prue is connected to a murder. Um, okay, and there was apparently a string of other similar deaths. Yeah, and uh, Andy gives one of his time-honored uh, motto or sayings time-honored lines that we've heard quite a few times on this show if i didn't know any better i would say (laughs) you know something about prue being connected to murders or something about there were witches or if i didn't know any better i'd say this was a scorpion sting (laughs) etc a trudeau original a trudeau original Okay, so he leaves, and um, does Prue go up to check out the Book of Shadows mm-hmm, at this point? She does. Okay, so she goes up, and she reads the Demon of Fear passage written in the hand of her mother's. Magical reference services, courtesy of mom. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay. Now, the next scene, they're at Quake, where they're having a superstition-themed party. Very fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Very superstitious is the only Rounds song. On the and also Spooky by Dusty Springfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah. We should make a playlist. Oh, my God. I would add so many things. Actually, recently, I was talking to Liana, and she was talking about how at the cheese store, they, like, make playlists to play on, like, holidays. So they're trying to think of a one, one for the um, Halloween season. And they're like, was this Liana who I was talking to or somebody else? Whatever. But there weren't, like, that many good, uh, like, spooky songs. They were like, there's the Monster Mash. <laughs> That's it. Thriller. <laughs> yeah, it's Thriller. Spooky by Dusty Springfield. <laughs> there's the Adams Family. Oh, yeah. Mm. There's Adams Family Values, the soundtrack. <laughs> this is Halloween. Grim Grinning Ghosts. I should make this <laughs> playlist. <laughs> Pay me. Okay. Okay. So, um... Superstitcher party. Superstitcher. <laughs> yes. And at this party um, that they're preparing for, apparently one of the uh, hosts of it is one of San Francisco's or the Bay Area's most eligible bachelors. Ah, yes. Who uses that? Does anyone use that phrase? No. Anymore? I don't think so. Most eligible batch. Maybe. Because I feel like it, it was a big old trope. Yeah. Like, I would. I heard it in a lot of movies. Now it's just called Bachelor, the series. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's evolved. The trope has evolved to its own show. Oh, my God. It's sentient now. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Um, okay, so it's at this party where all the sisters are, like, hanging around, doing their thing, that we kind of learned the three big fears of the three sisters. So, um, Piper has a fear of flying, Prue's a fear of drowning, and Phoebe, Phoebe thinks she has a fear of elevators. Yeah. I was going to say escalators. <laughs> I hate moving stairs! <laughs> You could have total, like, totally traumatic experiences based around escalators. You're not I, right. I, I really it. shouldn't make fun of that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> but all I can think of is the scene from Elf. <laughs> Which? What? Where he puts one, Will Ferrell puts one foot on the escalator. Oh, and, splits. and Yeah, exactly. That's my trauma. That's a pretty good one. What's your trauma, ladies? <laughs> yeah, anyway, so those are the three fears. So they say, you know what? As long as we stay away from these things, we're going to be totally fine. Yes. Okay. Um, and then is the next important thing that happens just Phoebe's scene? Yeah. I don't know if they because they return so. to the party. Well, the on. the only kind of nuggets in this scene as well is that we learned that their mom died by drowning. Oh, I actually also didn't pick. You know, I was cooking at the same time that this <laughs> was all happening. It's <laughs> making some pasta. Some pasta. Mm. Um, one of my friends today texted me that she would relay something to me with gusto. And I said, oh, I love my pasta with gusto. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> um, okay. What a good word. So, yeah. So mom drowned. The other thing I thought about this was that they're suddenly kind of afforded a way to make a community in this episode and they don't use it right because they ask them do you want to go to the wicca gathering gathering yeah and they're also 
well, Prue at least makes it her mission to track down the witches right. in order to prevent their deaths. That's so right. That I actually did feel as if that was a pivotal moment when she goes to Piper and she's like, I have this list. I'm going to go find the other woman on this list. It could have been a hugely pivotal moment, yeah. but it wasn't. Yeah, she just finds like... Well, I mean, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Okay, so Phoebe's also at her job, and she, she's going to an interview. Yes, she's at her interview. I'm so sorry, and she nails it. She gets the job. Yeah, but there's a catch, and the catch is that her boss is an adulterer. Yeah, her boss is cheating on her husband, which is like not great, and also making her employee yeah. cover for her. She forces Phoebe to get involved in business that Phoebe does not want to get involved in. But she needs a job. Okay. Uh, so then meanwhile, Prue is hunting down the list of ladies on the um, mailing list. And one of the ladies is... Uh, some person who's like very strong seems like yeah. like they've overcome all their mortal fears. Very stylish. Yes, she's she, dressed all in red velvet and these jewels. And mm-hmm. I was like, you're another type of gay. Um, <laughs> you're like you're like a like an immortal vampire gay. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Came up with it myself. Wow, it was me. Visionary. <laughs> Visionary. It wasn't all of the the campy queer B-movie vampire films from, like, the 60s and 70s. It was me. Um, Yeah. So so when the fear demon comes to visit this particular witch, she turns around and she's like, I'm ready for you. I have released all my mortal fears. Yeah. And he was like, you think you have, but you haven't released them. You have only repressed them. Which I was like, oh, that's real. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) This episode is very Buffy, I think, kind of. But, like, to the next level. Uh-huh. And I say that because one of Joss Whedon's biggest things about Buffy was that he wanted to create a world in which uh, inner demons and fears were literalized. Oh, I didn't know that. And were made into actual demons that teenagers could now fight and see and, and defeat. Oh, wow. Um, and in this episode, the same thing is happening, but kind of in reverse, in which a feared demon appears and uh, psychoanalyzes everyone <laughs> and is like, I know your worst fear. I know that you've only repressed this thing and you haven't fully dealt with it. So I'm going to make it actually come to life. Yeah. And then later on, he's like, I know what you think your worst fear is, but you haven't truly faced or you haven't truly processed what you're really scared of. Alternate take, the fear demon could be a therapist. Hmm. That's a thought. Anyway. Just my pet name for my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) The demon of fear. (laughs) Okay. So he's like, she's like, I've released all my mortal fears, which I keep saying because those were her exact words. And he's like, you haven't released your mortal fear of fire. You've only repressed it. And then he makes like a circle, a ring of fire around her. And then she dies of fright. And um, Prue enters the door too late. A second too late. Mm -hmm. And she finds another bad wig. (laughs) The true horror in this one. Yeah, and then cut to commercial. I do enjoy all of the, like, different horror movie tropes, like the the angle from below while he's, like, laughing and there's, like, lighting fire playing across his face. Um, Because recently I saw Us, the new Jordan Peele movie in theaters, which is, like, scary, scary horror. Um, Anyway, it was just fun to, like, contrast these different interpretations of horror 
themes. I also like contrasting visual horror themes, but I don't like watching the full movie. Oh, I definitely like involuntary shrieked throughout that movie. Oh, and like, I, I didn't think it would affect me because there was a definitive conclusion to the movie where I didn't feel like it was left unspoken to me whether I would have to deal with this. That was a vague way of saying it. But basically, I didn't think I would be afraid afterwards. But it wasn't the... It wasn't the message of the story that scared me later on when I was like by myself at home. It was like the imagery, like remembering certain things that like got to me. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's the power of media. That's true. That's the power of visual media. Absolutely. That it can create such an image that will stay in your head far longer than the 10 seconds you spent watching it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's, I won't describe it. Never mind. That I am someone who, when I was younger, I was like 10, I want to say, or 11, I was so frightened by the visual imagery of the barricade in Les Miserables, mm. of like people laying across the barricade, oh, man, yeah. that I refused to audition for the show. Oh. <laughs> so that's my level of like being scared yeah. of imagery. Yeah. So I, could, I can't see us. I'll buy a ticket, but I won't go. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I I, I want to support Jordan Peele, but I mean, there, you don't have to buy a ticket. There's there's gotta be a, another way to support him. No, I like I want to. Oh, okay. I'm super happy to support this movie because I think the cast is incredible. Yeah. I think yet again it's an example of somebody saying, "This is something that is for some reason breaking the box office." We wonder. Yeah. Um. And so I I would like to counter that narrative and say it should be breaking the box office because it's a really good film and we have already we have already seen incredible work from filmmakers who are not white mm-hmm. and we will continue to see that so i do i do want to support this film but my god that level of imagery just thinking about the trailer no can't do it so what's my greatest fear barbus ah i see okay Great. Hand like yeah. shadow over your face. My greatest fear is mixing up the Doctor Who theme and the <laughs> X Files theme on a podcast. Okay, so uh, another witch is dead, and Prue calls in the cops. Commercial. The capos. Okay, so now we come back from commercial to the capos. Daryl. Daryl's back. Daryl's the the back. Daryl's back, and so are Andy's cereal shoes. What does that mean? I think they're his, like, cereal killer shoes. Was this referenced in a previous episode? No, I think it was this was the first episode. Oh, cereal killer shoes. His shoes that he wears whenever he's, like, on the trail of some serial killer, probably. Probably. He was like, they're my lucky charm. So I think I it's his, like, crime-solving. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep making fun of his high tops. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. So you're never going to believe this, Andy. Guess who was the last person to sign in at the front desk. Ah, damn it, Daryl. Don't tell me. Was it the killer? It was Prue. Ah, golly. Oh, dang. I brought out my shoes for nothing. <laughs> and then we go to the next scene. Okay, so back at Quake, um, uh, um, Piper has potential chemistry with the most eligible bachelor in the Bay Area. Luke. Lucas. 
but she's worried about starting a relationship on Friday, Friday the 13th. So we hear another strange, would you call it a platitude? Probably not. Another strange saying, apparently, when you see a ladybug, the path that it flies in determines your ideal mate. Another superstition. Yeah, which I've never heard before. Yeah, I've also never, never heard that. <laughs> and I will never hear it again after this episode. Yeah, so then they flick the leaf and are like, get the heck out of here, you ladybug. Go get find me a mate. You buggo. You buggo. And the buggo lands on Lucas. <gasps> Her ideal mate. Yeah, but who were they testing this on? All three of them? Huh. The ladybug? <laughs> the ladybug's ideal mate. Is Lucas. <laughs> Maybe that's what that means. I'm going to tuck all of these sayings into my pocket and just spring them out on people. I can't wait. Can you secretly record whenever <laughs> just to see what the reaction is? Um, yeah. So yes, that's it. So do the two different um, superstitious occurrences cancel out? Maybe. So P- Piper decides that she'll accept Lucas's Luke, Luke's. Yeah. Luke's offer to go on a date. Exactly. All the while. Again, they're trying to get Prue to say, I love you, and she won't. Which is very humorous. Avoidance. Uh, Okay, so uh, Prue decides that she's going to go home, take a quick shower. But alas, alack, allay. Kalu, kalay, (laughs) oh frap, just stay. Um, Phoebe gets a premonition while she's at work of Prue drowning in the shower. Ah, the, the fear demon has gone to her. So she rushes off. Meanwhile. Yes. Cut to the bathroom. The bathroom. A very nice bathroom. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's cute. Nice shower. Nice shower. Nice bathroom. Some stained glass windows. Mm -hmm. It's pink. I think it's kind of my ideal bathroom. Kind of. I really like those kinds of showers, too, where it's just like kind of like an octagon of glass. No bath. Just a shower. Yeah. You know why? Why? Bathtubs get disgusting. I agree. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> um, when I first saw the shower, I was like, oh, psycho reference. Yeah, which, I mean, kind of was later. It, it could have been, but it definitely wasn't. Okay. The, nothing actually happened. The only thing yeah. that made me think, oh, psycho reference was someone was about to get murdered in a shower. But, I mean, the fact that he, like, came into the shower and was, like, hovering outside was, like, I don't know. It was creepy. He didn't stab her. That's true. I'll give him that much. <laughs> he didn't stab her. Say what you want about the fear demon. <laughs> but he don't stab no people. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he appears and he's like, ah. Uh, and she's like, ah, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, ah, oh, your greatest fear is drowning. And she's like, no, it's a strange man <laughs> in my bathroom. Which actually would be a really yeah. intense fear for me. No, no, no. This whole scene, this whole sequence, as campy as this entire episode and the show and the whole show is, this sequence was kind of terrifying. Just the idea of uh, not being able to get out of the shower as it fills up entirely and drown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very scary. Very scary. And I think Shannon Doherty did a really, really good job in this scene. Actually, in this whole episode. Yeah. Um, she, but especially after she kind of had to recover. Yeah. She, like, she was so, like, her eyes were so red-rimmed and she was, like, breathing really heavily and i was like oh my god shannon are you okay and then i was like she's doing her job <laughs> she's an actor but i was i ooh, felt for her man yeah yeah okay so but anyway yes 
Definitely. So it's, it starts to fill up. Uh, she starts shrieking. And then downstairs, outside the apartment, uh, Daryl and Andy are coming by to pay her a visit. And they hear the yelling, so probable cause. And they break in, and they run up. And they're like, what's going on? And the demon disappears. He makes the water go away. And it's just Prue staying in the shower, like, almost sobbing. Yeah. And looking at them like, you, what are you? Uh, Is this a part of my nightmare, too? (laughs) My greatest nightmare. My greatest nightmare. Andy and Daryl bursting in. I am naked. They have guns out. Not good. Not good. Um, So they politely say, "Uh, we'll just uh, wait for you outside. Um, And then she opens the shower door, and a flood of water comes out, which is also my greatest nightmare. (laughs) Terrible water damage. Yeah, (laughs) terrible water damage. I was like, oh, God, she's on the top floor, too. Ah. It's going to leak through the ceiling. It's through the ceiling. Oh, man. Shape of water. (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so then uh, credits, and when we come back, um, the detectives are questioning Prue on the couch. Why didn't you stay at the scene of the crime when you called in 911? She was like, I I had to, didn't want to deal with this. Can't deal sometimes. And with what you're asking me right now. Um, Eventually... Uh, oh, and they keep ragging on his shoes. Oh, yeah, which is fun. Uh, they don't. They have a lot of time in the middle of this intense interrogation mm-hmm. <laughs> to talk about shoes. Uh, and then uh, Phoebe bursts in. Prue! Yes, because she had the premonition and she was coming to save Prue, uh, just as the detectives are on their way out. Um, yeah, and so they're on their way out, and uh, Phoebe tells Prue that had a premonition. Prue's like, yep, it just happened. It occurred. And she takes off her towel from her hair, and there is a streak of light. She's rogue now. I w- that's the, the image! Yeah. That's what she looked like. Except the streak looks like it keeps shifting. The sh- it was like pretty... Uh, all of the white hair was bad yeah. this episode. This was the baby powdered... Yeah, you can definitely tell that the writers were like, let's make their hair turn white. And then all the costume and makeup people were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Don't hecking. Don't heck with Shannon Doherty's hair. Um, Yes. Okay. So they go to the book. Yes, to read more about the sphere demon. And there's a smell of sandalwood in the air. Because mom, her spirit is there, her ghosty. And And she's writing in the book. She's saying to vanquish the fear demon, you have to use the greatest power of all. And this was like super Harry Potter to me. Oh, yeah. Um, So we all know what's going to come next, but we'll just barrel along and then we'll get to that point later. That's the power of love. Uh, So then the Piper goes back to work. Um, Oh, no, no, no. no? Something important in this. Uh, Phoebe confronts Prue. Why don't you say you love people why don't you say i love you that was super important yeah and prue's like because trauma yeah because the last person she said i love to was their mom and those were the last words she said to their mom before she died yeah and i was like oh so there's another piece of the puzzle yep okay i really liked the character building that we did about prue in this episode i i think it was consistent and it also added something definitely it was great um, okay, so Piper is at work, and everything is just going wrong. And Doug is there for some reason. Yeah. Why is this character still there? I thought there? we'd forgotten about him. Yeah, but he is. I guess probably what happened is that the people on set and like the writers really like the actor. Oh. 
are just like, Dougie's nice. We'll give him two lines that have absolutely no consequence. They're like, Doug's nice. Call him up. What's he doing? Yeah. Um, okay. So she's complaining about the fact that ever since she agreed to go on a date with Luke, um, just like unlucky things have been occurring where she would like spill things or whatnot. Um, and that's kind of, that's and she it. she tries to smudge sage in the kitchen. Not a good idea. <laughs> Sets off the smoke alarm. All right, so that's Piper's day at work. Uh, Phoebe's day at work is that she's hanging out and her boss's husband shows up and is like, Richard Wait. Warner, <laughs> my grandfather. Is that his name? Yeah. Holy baloney. And, and the boss's name is Susan. <gasps> my family's getting a really bad rap. <laughs> okay, so Richard comes out and he's like, where's my wife? I just want a surprise her of a nice dinner. And the audience is like, what's Phoebe going to do? And Phoebe decides that she can't lie. Yeah. She says, I'm not going to compromise my values. Um, I, you can, I will lock up. Uh, you don't have to do anything. And I'm going to skedaddle. And, and Richard's like, wait. Thank you for not trying to lie to me about my wife's affair. He's facing his fear. Wow. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Me neither. It all ties in. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I think the real strength of this episode was that they focused on one, well, like one and a half stories. Yeah, there were a few plots going on, but they all made sense with one another. Yes. And it wasn't an entirely different episode within an episode. I think they had a really strong theme because it was so simple. Fear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) Fear. Simple, but effective. Okay. As yeah. my therapist says. So uh, Richard thanks her, and she's like, no problem. And then he goes, and she's about to go too, but then she gets a call. Ah, oh, please help. I was supposed to be shown this house by Susan, but Susan's not here. So because Phoebe's such a good person, she'll go out to this client and show them the house she's never seen before. The amount of BDE that's happening with Phoebe in this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I'm just extra gay. Today. No, it's real though. But it's so real. Her confidence. Yeah. I was just thinking about how the maturity that she handled that situation with was like, and also the fact that her fear was so real and was like so grounded in her appreciation. Well, we'll talk about this when we get to it. I was just like, this ain't tw- a 21 year old individual. It's a 22 year old <laughs> individual. But she's got, she's so like, well-developed and thoughts. I mean, okay. Yeah. Props to this writing team. I think they did a really good job um, with everyone, even Piper, who had such a minor plot. Mm-hmm. But, but I will say that something I forgot to mention earlier, that is another, another strength of this writing team. They tied in from earlier when Phoebe was calling Prue, when Prue was at the house and she was trying to warn her about oh, drowning, yeah. she calls from the real estate company yeah. and the the demon fear, the fear demon lifts that number as yes. well. So when he calls the mm-hmm. real estate company, it's because he had that information. So it was planted beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand what was going on when that happened initially. And then it came to pass that they actually made something of it. Yeah. Love it. I actually, someone told me recently that it was called, what's it called? Chekhov's gun. Like, if you introduce something, it's got to be important later. Like, you have to make it tie into the plot later. If you see the gun 
at the beginning of the play, yes. that means before the end of the play, the gun has to go off. Yes. Absolutely. So these guys knew their checkoff. <laughs> They're three sisters. Oh! <gasps> Whoa! <gasps> they really knew their checkoff. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I don't know. Constance okay. M. Burge oh knew her checkoff. <laughs> a moment. Um, okay. That's so funny. Okay. Okay, so Phoebe gets called to this house, and she goes off. And then the fear demon is there at the <gasps> abandoned house, and his voice changes, and it's now his voice again. And she's like, what the frickin' what? And then she's like, but you know what? There are no frickin' elevators around. You lose. And he goes, oh, my God, you mortals are so repressed. <laughs> <laughs> Bamboozled again. Your, your greatest fear is in elevators. It's losing a sister. Which, I mean, I know that that's like, this is going to sound insensitive, but I love that he said that. Because that is a real, like, that is a nuanced, terrifying fear. Yeah. Wait. And again, consistent with Phoebe. Mm-hmm. So consistent. She's a big heart, and she loves her sisters. And she's already lost her mom. That's so true. And their grandmother. That's so true. And in a way, their dad. Yeah. Definitely. And definitely, the loss of, of their dad affected her the most. Yeah. Or that whole, that whole story. Yeah. I forgot that that was a couple of... That was a plot. Yeah, that was quite a few episodes ago. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, super consistent. I feel like the writers did their research. Okay, so so her greatest fear is losing one of her sisters. And he says, so I'm going to get two for one. Okie doke. Um, Oh, Piper. Uh, She's on her date with Luke. No, no? Back at Buckland. It's it's Buckland first. Okay, what what happens? They just go back to Buckland, and oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fear demon uses Phoebe's voice to call Prue and say, "Can you come pick me up? Because it's time to die." Whew! And that's it. It's and then we go. It's a good tagline. It's time to die. Okay, so then we go to Piper's date with Luke, um, and he's like apparently the most eligible bachelor because he's talking about how he is just he wants a long-term relationship and he's really he loves children and, and he loves big, his nieces yeah he's a family man and he's very sensitive to people's feelings uh and piper's like wow you are the per- i love how she uses her like powers to stop yeah time. he's he's talking about his nieces and she's like ah ha ha freeze <laughs> <laughs> digs through his pockets are we sure um but it's true it checks out so his uh, sources check out, and she unfreezes him, and she's like, you know what, you're right. I was kind of giving you cold vibes earlier, but that's because um, I have this thing where relationships on Friday the 13th are supposed to end badly, but I decided to go on this date with you because a ladybug landed on you, which saying it out loud is, like, ridiculous. Yeah. And he was not... He didn't, he was like, he apparently had history with people who believed in superstitions in such a profound way, and he didn't want to repeat those kinds of relationships, so he turned her down. Yeah, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 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 You weren't going to go out with me because of superstition, but then you decide to go out with me because of superstition, and it has no bearing on who I am actually as a person. And I was like, Luke, you're right. I kind of feel like that's the argument that people have about astrology sometimes. 100%. Yeah, which sucks because I think astrology is really fun. I also think astrology is really fun. And I have a whole rant, Elise, if you're listening. 
I have a whole rant about uh, systems of knowledge okay. and how astrology is demeaned so much because it's not a specifically like Western uh, system of knowledge that is high up and okay. like this hierarchy in how we've been taught things and what we rely on as like objectively correct. Okay. Anyway, I'll save it. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I would love... We can save it, but I also have my own rant, too, I think, about astrology. We're going to do a mini-sode that is just entirely reading the sisters' birth charts <laughs> and talking about our different takes on astrology. That'd be actually really fun. We could wait if we, like, let this up. If we were still doing the spellcast in, like, a few months and we waited for that episode and we had people in New York who were, like, care about astrology and know oh my way more. Oh, God. That would be so good. Okay, yeah, we should do that. Okay. Coming to you with Liana and Andrew. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So that's the end of the date. Kind of bummer. But real bummer is that at some abandoned showing out in the middle of nowhere, two sisters about to get got. I don't know why I said all of that like that. I don't know, but I liked it. Cool. I had a sense of drama. <laughs> and I do love some drama. Um, yes. So Prue... Go. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. So the voice acting in this, I really, really appreciate it. So oh. it's the the evening has fallen, and Prue is there to pick up uh, Phoebe. And she's like, Phoebe, where are you? And Phoebe's voice goes, in the backyard. I so respect both the editing and Alyssa Milano's voice acting in this because I think it is just the right amount of like stepford creepy yeah while also being familiar enough to prove that she wouldn't necessarily question it you actually put words to something that i like had a fleeting thought about but couldn't quite like mold into a full-on thought but yeah i agree exactly because in my head it was kind of like those situations where an actor is playing someone who's playing someone else yes yes i love that oh it was so good yeah it was so good and I just got a little, like, <laughs> listening to it. And, of course, so Prue walks to the backyard, and there's a pool right there. Her greatest fear. Her greatest freaking fear. And she sees Phoebe tied up. And then before she can run to Phoebe, the fear demon just pushes her oh, into man. the pool. man. Effective. Um, yeah. Again, he, doesn't, he hasn't touched any of the other victims in any yeah. way, but he just pushes her into <laughs> so, the pool. Like, later on in that scene when he's, like, dragging um, uh, Phoebe away, he's, like, just... I'm, like, he just seems so human in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. He seems like Barbara, who just can't catch a break <laughs> with his colleagues at the water cooler. Yeah. He's trying to, like, bundle away. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, of course, Phoebe is terrified because she knows Prue's greatest fear is drowning and she thinks she's watching her sister die. Yeah. So he's he's feeding off of that. But in the pool, um, Prue is working through her traumas. Yeah. Um, so she's at the bottom. She's like paralyzed with fear. And then there's a bright shining light. But don't worry. It's not the tunnel light. It's her mom. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. What's up? How's it going? <laughs> and her mom's like, Prue, use your greatest power. The power of love. Love, take my hand. <laughs> um, and uh, love your sisters, whatever. So. Yeah. And we don't see the mom's face yes. at all. We just hear her voice and kind of see like a billowy dress and her hair. Mm-hmm. We know she has magnificent hair. <laughs> uh, so Prue decides she's going to be strong for her sisters because she loves them. And she faces her fear. 
Yeah, and she rises to the surface, and the fear demon's like, wait, you can swim? <laughs> Shoot! You can swim! <laughs> and, and she's like, yeah, I can, and she zaps him because her powers are back. This was worst death yet, I do. <laughs> well, it's not even a death. It's him going back to hell. It's just him going back to hell. Yeah, he just kind of, at her admission that she's not afraid anymore. Yeah. And I guess it's midnight. Um, oh, I didn't pick up on that. Maybe. I don't. I, it should be. Like, that's the whole thing is if he can't, can't get, yeah. get got. If they don't get got, if 13 of them don't get got by midnight, <laughs> then he goes back to hell. Yeah. There are so many rules. If 13 unmarried women can't get gotten, they got to be witches by midnight. And he's, like, writing them all down in hell. Wait, 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 wait. Can you repeat that? No! Up! Up to earth with you. Good luck. Um, okay. So he goes to hell because it's midnight, I guess, and he hasn't gotten the 13 unmarried witches. Why not virgins, anyway? It's um, usually virgins. Yeah, but I guess there's got to be, I mean. Whatever. So he didn't get his 13 unmarried witches on the 13th Friday of every 1,300 years. So he's going back to heck. Um, so he, like, gets zip-zap-zopped back to hell. Indeed. And that's the power of love. And Prue says, I love you. Yeah. Prue says, I love you to Phoebe after she takes the tape off her mouth and, like, unties her. And Phoebe was so scared. Yeah. And Prue was also scared. And she can finally say, I love you. I was recently watching New Girl because I need something to, like, kind of veg out to once in a while. And they just had an episode where Jess, the main girl character, says, um, I love you to her main love interest. And she couldn't say, like, all episode. And he said it first. And she wouldn't say because she was scared. And then she had, like, this deep conversation with Prince. Anyway, don't, don't, don't worry about it. But she has this deep conversation. And Prince is like, I think that you're afraid to say I love you because that makes it real. And if you lose him, then it'll be more painful. And that's kind of like what Prue is. She doesn't want to say I love you because that means she's admitting someone matters so much to her that if she lost them, it would hurt too much. Absolutely. And she has lost them. She's lost her mom. Yeah. Directly after that. But the conclusion in that New Girl episode was that, yes, it's scary to, like, be that vulnerable. But if you love them, then it's worth it because that means that, that they matter that much to you. And I think in this moment, in this episode for Charmed, Almost losing her, almost losing herself, I guess, made Prue realize how even if she could lose her sisters further down the line, it doesn't matter because she she realizes how important it is to yeah. say that thing. She could be gone, yeah, too, but yeah. she's she's finally actualizing it. Even though yes. she does, they know. Even though they all know they love each other, yes, the signifier is really important. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, really, her fear that she faced wasn't her fear of water. It was her fear of realizing how much she loved someone and was afraid to lose them. Yeah, absolutely. Which tracks this whole season because they've finally all gotten so much closer to one another. Yeah, that's true because it was Piper and Prue. No, Phoebe and Prue in that scene. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway. Ties that up nicely. Yeah, there we go. A little bow on the end there. Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That's it. That's the saying. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. I love ah, that nice little tag. Thanks, okay. Shakespeare. So, anyway, after that lame demon death, Prue says, I love you. Uh, and then we go to credits, or not credits, to uh, commercials. 
And back to the manor. Come back. Um, so Phoebe... Piper's kicking herself for having missed out on the most eligible bachelor. Yeah. But you know what? It wasn't meant to be. We she, knew it. He was he was far too white bread. This is true. I, I just think that it was funny that she missed out on the entire drama of the rest of the episode because she was in her own little ladybugs, blah, blah, blah world. Absolutely. Which also symbolic of uh, many a thing, I think, of narrow-mindedness, perhaps. Or blinders, just blinders. Yeah. But I'm glad she didn't have to experience her worst fear. That's Although, true. I would have liked to know what it was. You don't think it was flying? No. I don't think it was flying. Yeah. I think like Prue and like Phoebe, there was something underlying. I bet that her greatest fear is that she's a bad person. Ooh. So maybe she'll see an evil version of herself? Or maybe she'll think that she hurt somebody? I think you're right. I think that's that's definitely been hinted at a lot with how, how open she is and then her trouble accepting that she's a witch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. From yeah. the very second episode. Yeah. Piper's greatest fear is that at her core, she's evil. Like, she's just not. Maybe that's why we didn't visit that in this episode because mm-hmm. it was something that was already, like, approached earlier. Perhaps. I think it. I think she has been vulnerable before, definitely. Yeah, this whole episode is about fear, but at the same time, on the flip side, the corn corn coin vulnerability yeah absolutely so they come back and they relay everything that has happened to her and prue tells them that down at the bottom of the pool she saw mom mom helped them yeah and um she says that you know you're gonna think it's crazy and and piper says no i don't think so i wish i could have seen mom it's really hard felt this is family therapy. Yeah. And then at the very last scene, Prue goes upstairs to check out the Book of Shadows, and she sees some writing happen before her very eyes in her mother's script underneath the Demon of Fear passage, and it's her mom sending her a message saying, thank you for letting them into your heart. Mm. I teared up. And, and the, the closing line is, I miss you, Mom. Yeah. That really hit hard. I was like, because my mom's not dead, but I miss her, too. I'm glad your mom's not dead, and I'm also glad you get to miss her. Yeah. But I, I think the it, the scene just reminded me of how how much um, I love my mom. Oh! Does your mom listen to this? I probably. Oh! <laughs> okay. So that was it. That was, that was the episode. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Love you. Love you. Thanks for helping me out with everything over the years. Mm-hmm. I love you. This should have been our Mother's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> ah, damn it! <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Demon Death was a... It's honestly like a one out of five Jeremy's for me. Yeah. It wasn't a death. It, it just, wasn't a death. It wasn't it. a death. So I don't think I can even really rate it, but it was just kind of lame on the visual effects side. Not applicable. But for out of um, out of three charmed ones for story story development and for character development, I give this a three out of three. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I get. This was like one of my fave episodes. Yeah, I think so as well because it was fun with all the horror movie tropes. Yeah. Um, we did have some fun little side plots and yeah. some, some fun stuff with Holly Marie Combs. 
And then we had some really excellent acting, both from Shannon Doherty and from Melissa Milano, in different ranges of acting, too, and uh, uh, different techniques, which I really loved. And we had some really, really wonderful character development individually and as a family. Yeah. Yeah. My only gripe, I would say, or my biggest biggest gripe with this, um, other than the demon vanquish, was that this was an opportunity to really explore more of a community of witches. Yeah. And I think because they wanted to focus more on the family, they kind of missed out on that. But I would have loved to see an acknowledgement of we're not alone. Yeah. As like a thread that they could build on throughout the series. But I, that'll, I think it'll come back. We'll just have to wait a little bit for it. Yeah. yeah. Very good uh, analysis. Thank you very much. Uh, any final thoughts? <sighs> I feel like the serious one is the better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. Mm-hmm. And another one is examine your deepest fears because you never know which year is arbitrarily the 1300th. <laughs> yeah, and every 1300 years, do we line up with 13? With Starting the 13th? when? Exactly. And don't let ladybugs determine your love life. Don't let ladybugs determine your love life. Truly, make conscious decisions because mm-hmm. you want something, not yes. because you think something tells you that it should happen. Yeah. And that will become another like nonsensical saying. Don't let ladybugs <laughs> determine your love life. Okay, that's it for me, I guess. Yeah, that's it for me, too. Thank you so much for listening again to our 14th episode. Woo! Lucky 14. Um, I am Shayna. You can find me at Shayna Macy. And Bryce, you can find me at Your Best Bryce or at Finish Foodstagram. And you can find both of us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram. Maybe we should make a Twitter. Oh. I feel like we probably should. Okay. Twitter forthcoming. <laughs> um, or you can email us, charmedspellcast at gmail.com. Write to us with any questions, suggestions, jokes. I'll read a joke. Jokes. Jokes. I'll read a joke on the air. Um, Or if you have left a review, let us know. We'll write you a jingle. Mm -hmm. And go out and live your best lives, my friends. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you. Hey, Piper. Hey, Phoebe. I've got something I got to say to you. No New Year's Day to celebrate. No chocolate-covered candy hearts to give away No first of spring No song to sing In fact, here's just another ordinary day No April rain No flowers bloom No wedding Saturday within the month of June But what it is Is something true Made up of these three words that I must say to you I just call to say I love you I just called to say how much I care.
Listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone. I have a question. Do I go, yeah, a lot? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>